What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today we're going deep on another NBA draft prospect. This is our fourth draft profile in a series leading up to the November 18th draft. So check your feeds if you've missed any of the first three. The Blazers have the 16th and the 46th picks in the draft. For now, we're just going to focus on first-round picks. We'll do it in our typical manner with three organized segments. Here's how we're approaching these. First, we'll get a basic profile, answering the question of who is this guy? Then we'll review strengths and weaknesses as defined by the Internet's foremost draft experts. And finally, we'll talk about fit, where the guy lands in recent mock drafts, and why he fits on the Blazers. So let's hit the podium. The pick is in. With the 16th pick in the NBA draft, the Portland Trailblazers select Josh Green, Arizona. Let's take a closer look at Green's resume. Green is 6'6", 210-pound wing, 6'10 wingspan. The 19-year-old is a Sydney, Australia native. His family moved to the U.S. as he started high school, spent the first couple years of his high school experience in the Phoenix area, and then relocated to Bradenton, Florida to attend the IMG Academy, alma mater of Blazers great Anthony Simons, and just a place where teens go to get turned into high-level college prospects and eventual NBA players. That's exactly what happened to Green. Went to the IMG Academy for his final two years and became a five-star prospect, a very highly recruited high school player. Signed with the Arizona Wildcats where he started all 30 games in his lone collegiate season, averaging 12 points, 4.6 rebounds, 2.6 assists, a steal and a half per game. He shot 42.4% from the floor, 36.1% from three on 2.8 attempts per game, and 78% from the free throw line. His best college games include a 22.5 rebound game against Illinois, in which he hit four of seven threes, He had 24 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 steals versus Pepperdine, where he hit 4 of 5 threes. 18, 4 boards, 6 assists, and 4 steals against Oregon State. And 19 and 4 rebounds in his final collegiate game against the Washington Huskies in the Pac-12 tournament. Perhaps the strangest part about all these one-and-done prospects of this particular season is that there is no NCAA tournament. You know, it can take guys a little bit, a little while to sort of get ready, get their, figure out how they fit in the college system. College, the college game is just more strict than any any basketball they've played at to that point in terms of what they're allowed to do and what coaches allow and how much um, refs impact the game and things like that. And they're playing against the best athletes they've played for. So there's always going to be sort of, for the, for most guys, particularly guys in uh, Green's draft range where he's, he's you know, a mid-first-round pick, is there's going to be some ups and downs. And he kind of slumped in the middle of his freshman season and then got going. Like, he, he, he was starting to figure it out. And that's why having no NCAA tournament is a, is a bummer because – this Arizona team is kind of underwhelming, but they very likely would have been a tournament team and we would have got to see them in at least a first weekend of high leverage games, of, of really quality games, or at least um, you know pressure pack games, which are in, in a lot of ways maybe the best way to judge, uh, at least for casuals like you and I, unless you're like a draft expert listening to this. I didn't mean to call you a casual, but that's 
the NCAA tournament has been traditionally when Mike G. Rich does most of his college scouting. I'll watch the NCAA tournament, watch a couple games, see a guy play, you know, 25 minutes and say, okay, here, you know, I, I feel like I've learned these things about him from one little game. And later you get in the tournament, you're playing against really good teams. You kind of get to see them play against top-tier competition. But with Green and these other one-and-dones is that the season just abruptly ended in March, and we didn't get, to, we didn't even, you know, didn't even finish the conference tournaments. You just don't, you, you didn't get to have a chance. But Green, in his brief time in his thirty collegiate games, he he still made a made an impact. gave you a gave you enough of a sense of what he's like. He had seven games with at least three steals. He's a guy who got in the passing lanes, used his length, used his athleticism to make plays. Finished with forty six steals on the year, which led the team and ranked sixth all time by a Wildcat freshman. Arizona has churned out pros. Uh, being you know. Having that type of uh, you know sort of defensive counting numbers as a freshman is I don't know if it's a huge deal but it's it's notable. His season also needs a little bit of context I think because he was the third option offensively on a team with two other draft prospects in point guard Nico Mannion and big man Zeke Nanji. Uh, Mannion's probably going to be a late first round pick I think he was supposedly going to be maybe a little bit higher up at one point and Nanji is Nanji is probably going to be like mid-second round from the boards I've seen, maybe early second round to very early second round to mid-second round, but, you know, two other pros on the team with him. So he was already kind of a role player in college. He you was know, third on the team in shot of intents, third on the team of scoring. He had to he had to fill in behind two guys, and it wasn't like he was the big high-profile recruit. He was one of three. But that's the resume. A 6'6 wing with long arms who shot decently in college although on a really low number of attempts. Also came away with a ton of steals. We've got the profile. We've got the resume. The next question is, what does he project to be good at, and where is he going to struggle? Where does he need to work on his game as he makes the transition to the NBA? That's what we'll do in the second segment. We'll talk strengths and weaknesses. I have read the scouting reports from the best and most thorough draft experts on the Internet, so you don't have to, and I'll bring them to you in the second segment. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. That's it. That's what they're doing. They're making you the best tasting protein bar that there's ever been. It's pretty simple. The bar comes in 18 amazing flavors. Covered in 100% chocolate. It's got that candy bar-like texture. And they're they're legitimately very delicious. They're just They just taste really good. If you have dabbled in the protein bar universe you know you've had some sort of dry and chalky gross bars out there you know you don't lie to yourself you know you have you've been look you've been grabbing that water bottle immediately one bite you're already looking for your water bottle that's not what these are built bar is delicious and like i said they got the candy bar like texture you're not going to be grabbing for the water bottle you're gonna be checking the packaging like what flavors this is pretty good in addition to being delicious though they're also a wonderful option for the health conscious among us and that's because they're high protein, high fiber, while being low calorie and low sugar. Take, for instance, the cookies and cream flavor, one of their six new flavors. It's got 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. It's a great deal. Tastes good. Gives your body the things it needs to keep going. So go get yourself some of these bars by visiting BuiltBar.com and using the promo code LOCKEDON. To get 20% off your next order, that's promo code LOCKED on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right. 
So we talked Josh Green's resume in the first segment. Now let's transition to his strengths and weaknesses. I read the best scouting reports on the internet, so you don't have to. I've been doing this long enough that I know a bad scouting report when I've seen it. Listen, a lot of people are tasked with putting draft blurbs together. Not all of those people have spent a lot of time watching college basketball. I have culled through the crappy ones to bring you the cream of the crop and aggregated them all here in this beautiful second segment just for you. I think the real key for Josh Green, one of his real strengths, an undeniable one, is that he's shaped like an NBA player. Now, that is a classic Mike G. Rich-ism, but what that means is that when you look at the dude, he's 6'6", he's got long arms, a 6'10 wingspan, he's already filled out somewhat like an NBA athlete at 210 like when you watch him on film you don't say who's the skinny kid he just he's just a he looks like an NBA wing he's 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 shaped like an NBA player in addition to just like the right physical profile he's just a really good defensive player Sam Vecini of the Athletics says he's a terrific on-ball defender with great skill for taking on multiple different types of players The ringer notes that he's an energetic on-ball defender with good footwork. ESPN says he can guard all four of five positions. Excuse me. The A guy who wants to play defense, already played defense at a high level in college, versatile enough to guard multiple spots, and not even though he's a big steel guy, he doesn't get steel happy, is, is disciplined enough to... Uh, disrupt plays while staying within the scheme. I mean, that that's what you want, and that's what the people who've watched and scouted Green say that he is. An NBA-level athlete with a knack for defense. Does that sound like something your Portland Trailblazers might need? Well, here's the weaknesses for Green, and I think these are the big ones. These are... Um, this is not a small thing. This is the reason why he's uh, a mid-to-late first-round pick and not up there in the top 10, is that he's... The big question is is just, can he shoot? Like I said in the first segment, he was a 36% three-point shooter, and he shot 2.8 threes a game, so on, less than three threes a game. It's not very many. College basketball is getting him up like the NBA, maybe not at the same level, but but it's trending in that direction regardless. So while he's a, a pretty good three-point shooter, 36% is not terrible by any means. It's pretty good. We don't. There's not a big enough sample to say, you know, this dude can really shoot it. And everyone, all the scouting reports I read mention his mechanics. Um, they they all talk about this slight hitch, which, quite frankly, if th- if this wasn't something I read in four different scouting reports, it's not something I think I would immediately notice. The thing I noticed watching him shoot on the highlight videos was that he's pigeon toed. He shoots with his toes pointing. His toes pointing at each other. So maybe I should have been looking at his wrist and his elbow and, and, and his hands, his, his release point and seeing the hitch. But I just saw a guy who has a weird stance when he shoots. Now, when I'm watching YouTube videos, dude's, dude's shooting a really high percentage. He's, um, we're talking, you know, 95% of makes on, uh, on most of these YouTube scouting reports that I've they pull together to give you to get a sense of what the, what the guy plays like. But if the scouts say he has a weird hitch in his jump shot and they're worried about it, I think it's worth noting. I am not giving you necessarily my opinion here. I want to give you the opinion of people that know more. And the people that know more says he's got a weird hitch and his jump shot is a big concern. And frankly, when I read about Josh Green, the person I keep thinking of is Nazir Little. And here's why. It just 
the scouting reports remind me of what scouts said about Nas last year, except they thought he was like a top 10 pick. He's a straight line athlete. And by that, I mean like he's, if he gets the ball and can attack in a straight line, ooh, there's going to be some highlights. There's going to be some, some really impressive plays, but he doesn't have many counter moves beyond just like be faster and be bigger. And against organized defensive teams, being a straight line athlete only works so much of the time. He is an okay, but not great shooter. He's definitely a better shooter than Nazir Little was in college, but he's playing three and not four. It's just, you're just being asked to do a little bit different things. But a guy who is clearly an NBA level athlete, a versatile, big, long, like, like I said, shaped like an NBA player, just like Nas is, but is maybe a little bit limited on what he can do on offense. The other weaknesses is that he doesn't, he's not a great playmaker, not a great ball handler, doesn't do much else except maybe like some standstill knockdown threes and some sort of highlight straight to the rim type of athletic dunks. This is Nazir Little. That is, that is the player I watched at Carolina. And I, to me, Green strikes me as someone who is while he's not going to get comparisons to Nazir because it's, first of all, it's weird to compare guys in back-to-back draft classes. But in addition, they're just, they just play different positions. Green is much more of a three and Nazir seems to be trending more towards like a three, four, whereas Green seems like a two, three from, at least from what I'm reading. But they strike me as dudes who are going to have similar challenges. And now I'm not sitting here and saying that Nazir Little and Josh Green are bad. And quite frankly, I think Nazir Little has a path to being a, like a pretty solid rotation NBA player. I don't think he's a star, but I think he's a solid, a solid long-term NBA contributor. And if that is what the limitations of Green's game also lead him to, drafting a long-term rotation player at 16 is a really good deal. That, that's, that's what you want. A dude who can play and play for a while at 16. I want to close out the show talking about Josh Green's draft range, where people who mock this stuff out think he's going to go, kind of the the range that that draft folks think he's going to fall in, and then making my case for why he'd be a fit at 16. This These draft profiles aren't exactly like, here are my in-order top 10 fits, but here are realistic options for the Blazers, and I will make a case for why this could be the choice. So that's what we'll do in the second and the third segment to close out the show. If you're wondering why Josh Green, I'll tell you why. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Lockdown Blazers. Still talking about Josh Green. The one and done Arizona product who averaged 12, four and two and a half with a steal and a half a game in his lone season at Arizona. There's concerns that we talked about in the second segment. He's an NBA-level athlete who might not be a great shooter, and that will be his big limitation in a league that, that values shooting. He's probably maybe a little further along defensively than other guys his age and draft range, but he's probably a little behind them in terms of hope of what he can turn into as an offensive player. Relying on any rookie to be a good defender right away is a mistake. He probably won't be that, but he profiles as someone who can be a really useful defender, and the question of whether he will be more than that will be defined by that jump shot. Regardless, I think he's an option for the Blazers at 16 in this draft. But before I make my true case, we've got to answer the question, is it realistic? Where do the mock drafts have Josh Green going? The Ringer has him at 13 all the way at the end of the lottery. ESPN has him dropped down to 23. ESPN's about to get dropped out of this. They haven't updated their mock draft in 
in some time. ESPN, you're the worldwide leader in sports. You pay multiple people to do this. Update your mock draft. The Athletic has them at 22. CBS Sports has them at 23. And SI.com has them all the way down at 28, the end of the first round. Sam Vecini of The Athletic says that Green has been a big uh, draft climber in this in in the sort of pre-draft season. So he maybe also thought that he was going to be a late first round or even uh, second round pick potentially, but has him has has him bumped up all the way to twenty two. So from all those, it's very likely Green will be on the board, and most of these mock drafts have the Blazers passing on him. He's he seems to be deeper down the draft boards from what I can ascertain because he's more as a role. He profiles as a role player without star potential. And maybe that's an obvious red flag. Maybe you, you maybe for the Blazers, you always draft for star potential. But if you're me, if you're, if you're Mike G rich, a guy who's projected to be a role player and was a role player in college, even if he's high level role player at that, that to me, that's a, that's a, wonderful target, right? A guy who's already played on a relatively talented team and kind of figured out how to get in where he fit in, which was be a defensive pest and still kind of has NBA potential and won't need to be convinced that he's not a role player. He's already shown it. Perhaps this is the Danny Green fan in me overrating a guy who's like, you know, maybe this is Danny Green. And perhaps also I'm being swayed by Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer saying that Josh Green had shades of Michael Petrus. And I loved Michael Petrus. Air France, who was like a 6'9 wing for the Suns and the Magic. He was on the 09 Magic team that made the NBA Finals. And I just really liked Air France. I liked Petrus because he, he did what he did. He was a high-level role player on a team that had a a boatload of high-level role players around Dwight Howard. I'm maybe someone who likes dudes who just kind of figure out what they do best and always do that, play within themselves. Perhaps that's just the type of basketball player I value, and when I read about Josh Green, I see sort of my values or what I value in players in what he projects to be or what what other people think that he projects to be in the league. So perhaps this is my personal bias for like my approach to team building coming through and why I like Josh Green and why I liked Michael Petrus. But my case for adding him is the Blazers need wings and need defenders. They just need to improve they need more versatile defenders. And if Green can add a little more shooting, he can really pop and be something special. But having a guy who could guard one through three or maybe even fours in the league with his with his length, who can play a couple different spots on the wing, can play two or three, that appeals to me when I look at the Blazers roster. I've made this case with other wings, but when you have 35-year-old Trevor Reza and Rodney Hood coming off an Achilles injury as your small forwards, you're going to want help there. Nazir Little is potentially help there this season, although I think he projects more as a four and the Blazers pretty much play him at power forward. Mario Hazonia is not the answer. And Gary Trent Jr., who's going to play a lot of that spot and I think is a really good NBA player already and, and could um, could really pop this season. I don't know how much further he could go, but he could turn into a really consistent force with what he already does well. If Gary Trent Jr. just plays at sort of the um, you know 45% three-point shooter hustle defender for 80 games, he's going to be really good. Season's only going to be 72 games long. i got to correct my math there. But like I'm saying, like 
even if even if you think Gary Trent Jr. is going to pop, and even if you believe in Trevor Ariza and you believe in Rodney Hood, adding more wing depth when you look at this roster is the responsible way to go. This is it has been the Blazers' issue for seasons and seasons as they don't quite have an answer on the wing. I don't think Josh Green is going to be a big contributor year one from what I'm reading about him. I don't think the Blazers plan on whoever they take at 16 being a big contributor, but he seems like a guy who could be a useful role player right away. And if you had to break the glass and say, Hey, we need your help. You're 20 years old and we, but we need you on the wing, Josh. He seems to be a profile, like a guy who could step in a multi-position defender who is a really good athlete. That's the kind of guy who can give you a spot start here and there, give you that Victor Claver, Alan Crabb Memorial start. I like Josh Green as an option. It's not my first choice, probably not my third choice, but I think he could help the Blazers. And for me, when I'm thinking about what to do at 16, could this guy help right away? And could he help into the into the near future, the next three seasons, this guy seems to fit the bill. Josh Green seems to fit the bill for me. If you disagree, you know where to find me, at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. Email the show, LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. A lot of you have uh, been sending me draft questions and draft prospects you like. I'm glad you're in draft mode because the podcast is in draft mode too. Speaking of that, Brian Kalbroski of USA Today is going to join the program later this week. It'll be on Thursday's show, so check your feed on Thursday for an interview with him. He writes all about the NBA draft. He knows way more about it than me. We'll have a real-life expert to talk about Blazers' options. Be sure you're checking that out later this week. Also, if you've missed the other draft profiles, we've already talked about Sadiq Bey, Aaron Neesmith, and Jalen Smith. So check those out. We've got more of these draft profiles coming. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.